0: Thank you for tuning in to Nardigus and Ministries' teaching broadcast. I am Nardigus and your host, and today I have a word from the Lord, and this word will transform your life if you apply the principles of God's word through faith and obedience. I'll be reading from Numbers chapter twelve, beginning at verse one. Miriam and Moses and Aaron spoke against Moses. Because of, of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? Has he not spoken to us also? And the Lord heard it. Father, with no condemnation, but with love and truth. With clarity of thought and brevity of speech and in boldness, let this word be uttered. Because you sit as the refiner's fire working and melting away all the things that are living within us that are unlike you. We give you permission today to dig deep into our hearts, invade our secret chambers, go into our secret vaults, into our dresser drawers, and into our closets where the masks of pretentiousness and hypocrisies are dwelling, and anywhere that they have made our heart their home. Strip us, refine us, purify us, cleanse us from our sinful and wicked ways. We ask that you reveal your mind to us. Communicate your heart so that so that we may know what your perfect will is. I ask that you shatter our ignorance with your knowledge, pulverize our ideologies, tear down our theories, our presumptions, and assumptions, and strip us of religious habits and powerless rituals. Invade our religious mindset and uproot any false teaching. And yes, God, replace them with your wisdom and with the knowledge of your truth. Create, oh God, in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. And now, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In the assured name, the name that is above every name, that beautiful name. Amen and amen. Now, in Numbers chapter 12, the scene opens in a tent. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we are saddened to find that those. Who are closest to Moses are found secretly grumbling and rebelling behind his back. Moses found himself to be the tabletop discussion and subject of slander. Aaron, who is Moses' brother, is the high priest, and Miriam is a prophetess, the leader of the women of Israel, and she's also Moses' sister. Now why is all of this important? Why is this conversation in a tent relevant that a message has to be in effect, because God is placing his finger on the inside of us, his people, the part of man the part of us that man truly cannot see, but the inward part of us that God does see and it is also important to note that in this topic of discussion, we are probing. Uh, into the lives of three of Israel's leaders. So it's vital because it centers around the character of our hearts and around leadership. And God wants us to be a people of character. Amen? You see, for too long, we've played the part, we've looked the part, we've talked the part, we've preached the part, we've even sung and danced the part. And yes, we've even shouted the part. But now, today, It's time to be the part by walking and living it in spirit and in truth. And as we take a closer look into this passage of scripture, my prayer is that we recognize where we have fallen short with people and repent, you know, and change, so that we can follow the same example of Moses. Because how he handles the situation It's really something to be commended and definitely modeled after in every good way. May we learn to handle our accusers, those who slander us and chew our names like bubble gum, in a biblical and scriptural manner, in a way that is pleasing to Abba. And as we probe deep together into Numbers chapter 12, we're going to also find some important patterns and truth that develop around Moses, you know, and these patterns over a course of time will then transpose to Yeshua because Moses serves as a type of the Messiah. He is serving as a mediator uh, for God the Father and for the nation of Israel, as will be the Messiah later on. So we find in Numbers 12, evil accusations being brought against this man of God named Moses. And it is by his own brother and sister. And the first disgruntle we hear in, is found in verse 1, where Aaron and Moses, sorry, and Miriam spoke against Moses because he had married a Cushite, an Ethiopian woman. Now, we are not told what their contention was with the wife exactly, but the fact that the scriptures point out that she was you know not just a woman or a wife, but a, a Kushite woman, you know that, that 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 Ethiopian woman he married. So let's keep it real because you all know how we do, and God has heard everything you've had to say, so let's not pretend, because the quickest way for for us to get our deliverance is to admit that it is there, okay? Now, carrying along. By the very nature of the tone, it denotes it may have been a racial issue. Moses, you know, he chose to marry a foreigner, a woman who was not born within the Israelite community. Now, Numbers chapter 11 had just occurred. And if you don't know anything about Numbers chapter 11, it was a hot mess over there. And so y'all need to go and read it. But in short, God had sent fire to their camp because the the mix. Multitude went lusting after Egypt and its food, and this unthankful, ungrateful, unholy complaint it, it caused such a ruckus that it, 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 it destruction and even death came upon Israel's camp because of it. So, for Moses to you know have taken a foreigner to wife, you know, probably would have been a sensitive issue right about now, okay? Now, though verse 1 seems to be the catalyst for their rebellion, it is not the real issue. It's not the underlying core issue. Isn't it just like human nature, you know, when we have a problem with someone, we usually group ourselves with others to support the claim, you know? And then never take it to the person that they're grumbling about. They hide in the tent. But somebody say, and the Lord heard it. Mm-hmm. but the disdain for the Ethiopian uh, Kushite wife is an indication of something more malignant more hideous masquerading on the inside of Miriam and Aaron's heart with all that's happening today who are we disparaging and reproaching in our hearts or within the confinements of our private tent saying well that so and so woman or that So-and-so man, or those people, or those groups of people, something to think about. When we go to verse two, we find that there is a rhetorical question being asked. The real reason for Miriam and Moses' bashing and lashing out at Moses was not really the wife at all, okay? Even though it did expose the genuine feelings. You know, hot and heated situations usually have a way of exposing uh, the uglies in our heart. And if you don't believe me, go to Facebook and go to Twitter and look at the timelines, and you'll see it from the very ones who profess to be a child of God's kingdom. This was only a stepping stone. It was just a building block to rise against Moses. You see, they were actually jealous of Moses' close relationship that he had with God. And it's not that God didn't love Miriam and Aaron any, you know, any less. It's just that they were not whom God had chosen to lead the nation of Israel. Now, how do we conclude to this, Narda? Well, in verse 2, they said, they said, has God not spoken through us as well? Listen to it. Sometimes... People need a foundation, if you would. They they need something, even if it's one thing, just to build on their platform of complaint about you. You know, I, I think it's safe to to say that Moses did not overhear the the, the grumbling of his siblings, because if we if we were to follow his behavior. Anytime the people had a complaint, he always took it to the Lord. He had a shepherd's heart. He really did. It was God. Who heard Miriam and Aaron's grumbling? And the text that immediately follows up in verse 3 lets us all know that the charges implied in their complaints, you know, what they were saying and attending with Moses, were not true, but false. Moses was not prideful nor arrogant. He did nothing wrong. In fact, the scripture pretty much sums it up in this statement. Now, the man Moses was very meek, meaning humble. Above all the men upon the face of the earth. What a thing for the scriptures to declare about a human being. I'm certain that as with any slander or gossip or criticism, it must have been especially difficult for Moses to hear that this is how his own siblings were behaving. Sometimes people, for for lack of walking in love, uh, immaturity, walking in the spirit of jealousy, and not knowing who you are, you know, it can cut very deeply. And, you know, this wound didn't even come from the foreigners who had, now had, you know, who had now mingled among them. But it had come from his own people, his own tribe, his own fellow believers. It came from the very people that were, that were an integral part of his life. It came from the very people that he was connected to, not just by virtue of DNA, but also by ministry. They should have been there to support and encourage him. Moses, the man who used his position to intercede for all, for all of Israel in Exodus 32:30, 30, when God would have wiped them out for their wickedness. Moses, the man who used this, his position to pray for Aaron so that God wouldn't kill him in Deuteronomy 9 and verse 20. But what do they do instead? They become presumptuous and mis- misinterpret his actions. Who does he think he is? And so God arises to his defense. Unjustified attacks on people's characters, usually motivated by the evil that is attributed by the wicked twins. And I call them envy and jealousy. I call that the, the twins. This duo is a trick without the luggage. You see, these trifling twins will get you into a pickle with Abba, with Abba every time, every time. How many of you can identify with Moses? Has your life been the subject of an unjustified slander or gossip from your own siblings or, or even from those who were close to you? Has someone brought about a false accusation about you to others? Yes, yeah, God is about to arise in your defense. Listen, despite the situation and even the source of where the slander originated, Moses' response astounds me. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he responds, he doesn't react. His response, you know, he responds in in this godly, Yeshua like manner. Now, let me pause here for a minute, and and I'm going to ask you to please let me be transparent because. I really don't know any other way. I cannot honestly confess to you that I have always responded like Moses. Because, look, like Moses and like you on the line, listening in, I was born a woman, I was shaped in iniquity, and I was born into sin. And it was my nature. It's in my flesh to revolt and react. In fact, in fact, listen, there were times in my life that I wanted to play God. And I wanted to not just snatch, but snatch the very breath out of some folks. Are you feeling me? I wanted to lay hands on some people, and it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to pray for them. Are you listening to me? It was not in my nature to respond like Moses. I had to learn to love God's people. I had to learn to just love people in general because, as you know, sometimes people can get on nerves, right? But the more I spend time with the Father, it's the more his heart becomes my heart. The more I spend time in his presence, I begin to see others through his eyes, and I'm telling you, it brings me to my knees. Because when I think of Yeshua, who knew no sin, was treated as a sinner so that in him and through him, you and I become, you know, we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, but I want to possess what Moses had. I want this type of love for people. I want and need this type of discipline in my life because I've come to find out that in order for Abba to use us effectively to bring about, change within our ministries, in our homes, and in our atmosphere, it must begin with us. By his grace, we must exhibit his character traits. We must live this thing out and walk it out in spirit and in truth. Amen? Otherwise, we're going to be set down like millions. As we begin to see what happened to her in this hard lesson of life. So, here we have God who is upset with Miriam and Aaron. He calls them out, and in verse 4, we see God handling it his way, his own way. They had been privately consorting, but now God was going to pull the sheet, so to speak. This private conversation was going to become a public classroom. Lesson in Character 101, because to accuse an innocent person in this way is never pleasing to the Lord. Revelations 12.10 calls Satan, who is the devil, he's the accuser of the, of, of the brethren, and it is the, the very nature of the devil to accuse. And this type of attitude that Aaron and Miriam displayed is the devil's attitude. In 1 Timothy 3.11, Paul warned about slandering. And in this particular uh, passage about attitudes, you know, he was addressing the leaders and and their families, wives specifically. Let me read it to you. You wives, you beautiful wives on the line. Paul was giving a list of qualifications for the overseers and deacons of the church, and it reads, beginning at verse 8, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, or given too much wine or greedy for money. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Additionally, they must learn they must first be tested. They must first be tested. Then if they are above reproach, then if they are above reproach, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women must be dignified, not slanderous, but temperate and faithful in all things. Aaron and Miriam are working beside Moses. They are God's vessels, too, and what they do for the kingdom service is just as important. But only when we take our eyes off of what we are called to do, to look at someone else's function or duty, do we risk falling into the trap of pride. Aaron held the high priest office. Listen, Miriam was a prophetess. Read Exodus 15:20. And here we find that these two leaders with high ranking offices are jealous of their own brother. But God was going to set order in the house. The scripture already establishes that Moses was a humble man. Moses knew that he couldn't do the work alone. Moses knew that to lead an entire nation was a full-time job that at this point the people are crying because they are selfish, greedy, and ungrateful, and they, you know, they don't want what the Lord is providing for them. They're tired of the manner. They're just complainer containers. And this places a heavy burden on the leadership of Moses' heart because he feels as if, as if he's probably failing them because of their constant, you know, their constant ridicule and murmuring. So we find Moses talks with God often to ask for help, to ask for guidance, to ask for direction, and for wisdom. Bless his heart. (laughs) Moses was great because he was humble. And he was humble enough to take the burden of leading the people, praying for the people, positioning himself to talk to God on their behalf when they sinned, always asking God to spare their lives, to not be angry, to have mercy. Here is an Old Testament type of our Messiah. Philippians 2, 5-7 through says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Yeshua the Messiah, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Miriam and Aaron are about to get in schooling. Somebody say, ooh. Y'all know when y'all were in school and somebody got in trouble, we used to say, ooh. This lesson is so important because when leaders sin, It literally affects the people they lead. This story should serve as a reminder to all leaders of today's church. And so now we enter into God's courtroom because he calls them out. Moses, the accused, and Aaron and Miriam, the accusers, are all summoned to appear. In the next few verses, God begins to address them directly. Now this must have been a very intimidating moment as God tells them come forward and hear my words He separates the accuser from the accused and what God conveys in his next statements is a mixture of vindication and affirmation for Moses who probably needed to hear words of comfort of encouragement because his heart is already heavy due to the weight of, of ministry obligations and having to deal with the people. You see, God God never once minces his word. He's never minced his words. He, he, he doesn't stutter. He is frank about his reprimand. He is frank about what he's going to say toward Aaron and Miriam. And he basically, in modern terms, said, look, Look, Moses. Moses is a very special and unique servant, and that there is no one else on the earth like him. Moses, he stands in a class all by himself. Aaron and and, and Miriam, you, you 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 guys don't you, you guys don't even rank with him. Do not on the same level as Moses, because when I decide to take a man or a woman and make him or her a prophet of mine, I handpick them, and then I make myself known to them by means of visions, and I talk to them in their dreams. But it is not so with Moses. When it comes to Moses, I deal with him entirely different. I deal with him face to face. I speak audibly to him and not in riddles. I even have shown myself, I have shown more of myself to him than I have any other man. You see, the relationship and the contact that is between God and Moses is as close as it gets between the flesh and the spiritual. God has opened dialogue with Moses. And at times in their conversations, we can even see where God would give into Moses' request. They had a beautiful relationship. God had handpicked Moses for this assignment, just like how he picks you for the assignment that he's called you to do. God had placed Moses in charge of his entire household, which was the nation of Israel. Y'all remember um, Joseph. Pharaoh had declared Joseph to be master of all his household, which was Egypt. He made it clear that he had elected Moses, who bore his stamp of authority, his seal, and power. He was their leader, whether they liked it or not. And they didn't get a vote on it, you know. Because this was no democracy with a pre-established list or line of, of, of succession. Moses was it. And ladies and gentlemen, because of time, I am going to end this teaching right here. We will pick up part two next week on a leprous and lofty conversation part two, the courtroom. Once again, Father, I have delivered your word to your people. I have obeyed your voice. Now, Lord, sanctify them through your truth, for thy word is truth. I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to pray for anyone who does not know Yeshua as Lord. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Friend, tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And like many traveling through the oceans of life, life can be brutal. I want you to know that God the Father loves you and has a plan for your life. He's ready to meet you right where you are. But it is our sins, our rebellion against God and his word that will keep us separated from him. But Yeshua, the Son, you might know him as Jesus, or might have heard of him as Jesus, but he is calling you. He's saying, come, come all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am the door to the Father. And you see, no man can come to the Father in heaven except they come through me. The Bible says, you must be born again. You see, salvation and forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It's all a gift, but is only made available to anyone who repents, anyone who believes and confesses that Yeshua is Lord and that He died and rose from the dead to save mankind. This gift cannot be earned, it cannot be bought, and you cannot inherit it by just simply being good. It is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. And if this is you, If you would like to receive Yeshua into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son Yeshua. Your word says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on you right here and right now. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, wash and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you to come into my heart. And be Lord over my life. And according to your word. I now confess with my mouth. The Lord Yeshua. And I believe in my heart. That you have raised him from the dead. I confess and declare. That Yeshua is Lord of my life. Today. I thank you for the gift of salvation. Through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by faith. I now receive. This gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name. I am saved. Amen and amen. If you have prayed this prayer with your whole heart, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new you. God has now redirected your ship of life, but you will need discipleship. You need to be with other believers where you can grow and learn more about this loving God and his word. We would love to connect with you if you don't have a home church and you live in the Grayson County, North Texas region. I recommend to you God's House of Faith and Worship Center located at 320 North North Travis Street in Denison, Texas, where uh, Dwight Thomas is the senior pastor. This is a biblically sound and thriving ministry. Please use the contact links on our social media pages or websites to let us know your testimony and how this ministry has influenced your life. To learn more, please visit www.nardergoodson.com. Thank you for tuning in to Narder Goodson Ministry Teaching Broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same place, for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke destroying anointed Word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of His kingdom there shall be no end.